0: If you've got a Bible with you, would you like to turn to uh, Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 8, and I'm reading from verse 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and uh, I'm reading from verse 18. When When Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got up into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, "'Lord, save us, we're going to drown.' He replied, "'You of little faith, why are you so afraid?' And he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Anybody remember our text for the year? Yeah, 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 yeah. We remember. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody brave enough to to shout it out? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean up on your own understanding. In all your ways <laughs> acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Yeah, something like that. Thank you. Yeah, give him a big round of applause. Yeah. Yeah, we want to take this. Uh, this Bible text to heart this year, this is our text for the year, and if you've not got a card, uh, I don't know if there are any left, but see me, if there aren't any, I'll make sure you get a card with the uh, text for the year, because we do want people to learn it and carry that text through them, with them the year, so that it will help us, encourage us, and uh, remind us to uh, put our trust in God and in His Word. And uh, for this new year, we've got a a new series, and uh, we're thinking about uh, dysfunctional disciples. And basically what I'm saying is that you are a bunch of dysfunctional disciples. But I'm including myself in that. I'm saying that we are all dysfunctional disciples. Uh, Anybody ever make a mess of uh, uh, things? Yeah. Anybody ever get it wrong? Yeah. Anybody think that they could do better? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're thinking about this... uh, idea that we are dysfunctional disciples and the idea is not mine, it comes from uh, a guy called Chris Kandier who works for the Evangelical Alliance and in his books, Disciples he says, I've coined the phrase Disciples to describe those of us who feel dysfunctional in our following of Jesus, but the good news is that dysfunctional discipleship It's nothing new and nothing to be ashamed of. The very first disciples could have been diagnosed as dysfunctional too. They were constantly getting even the most basic things totally wrong. I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly encouraging. Uh, that those first disciples got things wrong. Not as an excuse for us to continue to get things wrong, but to know that when we do get things wrong, just like Jennifer was saying to uh, the children, that when we get things wrong, we can go to God, and that he can forgive us, and uh, set us up, and we can start again. And that is the good news of the Gospel. And so this is what we've been thinking about. Uh, we've been thinking about dissatisfied disciples despairing disciples, disorientated disciples, disgruntled disciples and dismissive disciples. Last week we were thinking about dissatisfied disciples, if you weren't with us, and uh, we were looking at how Jesus first called his disciples And uh, we were saying that uh, Jesus' call was that of repentance. He was calling for people to repent, to turn around and to go in a different direction. And we said that wasn't about loose change, offering God what's left of our lives. It wasn't about uh, an overnight change. It was uh, a gradual change, something that continues throughout our life. God continues to shape us and to change us. it was about a change of direction, that U-turn, that turning away from uh, one direction and going in another. It is about a change of minds, it's allowing God to change our minds, it's about a change of behaviour and it's about that desire to change our world. That's what we were thinking about last week with uh, dissatisfied disciples and uh, this week we're we're thinking about despairing disciples. Despairing disciples. Anybody uh, despairing this morning? Hmm. Well, let's see. Because, uh, because you know, so often, uh, I I despair about myself. You know, because you think as as a Baptist minister, you would get things right more often than perhaps I I do. And uh, it seems to me that very often... Uh, you know, it feels like we're taking, you know, two steps forwards and one step back in our discipleship and uh, very often, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I fall flat on my face. I came across this story about uh, a two, 200 year old church that was being ready for an anniversary celebration when calamity struck, the bell ringer was called out of town. The church immediately advertised for another, and when the replacement bell ringer arrived, the pastor took him up the steps leading to the bell tower, some 150 feet above them. Round and round they went, huffing and puffing all the way. Just as they reached the landing, the person applying for the job of bell ringer tripped and fell face forward into the biggest bell of all. Boong The bell rang out. Days from the bow, the bell ringer stumbled backwards onto the landing. The railing broke loose and he fell to the ground. Miraculously, he was unhurt, only stunned. But the pastor thought to be on the safe side, he better call an ambulance. When the ambulance arrived, the paramaric asked him, Do you know the man's name? No, the pastor replied, I'm sorry, he never told me. But his face sure rings a bell. I don't know about you, but uh, I can identify with that because uh, very often I seem to uh, stumble through life and very often fall uh, flat on my face. And uh, as we think about despairing disciples, we're looking at this uh, story um, of Jesus and the disciples uh, getting into the boat and going across the lake, uh, but we begin by Uh, ...saying that following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be a cost. Following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be a cost. If people have told you that following Jesus uh, is free and won't cost you anything, it's not true. It isn't true. If you're really following Jesus, there will be a cost... And actually in, in the, in the few verses preceding Jesus Calming the Storm, uh, we read that section, uh, I don't know about you, but does Jesus seem a bit harsh? Um, there's these, there's these wannabe disciples, and, and throughout the Gospel, do you notice that occasionally, uh, wannabe disciples turn up to Jesus, and, uh, this wannabe Disciple says, he was a teacher of the law, good person, a religious person, came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Any of us said that? I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another wannabe disciple appears, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead doesn't seem very pastorally sensitive to me (laughs) Uh, but it does emphasise that Jesus doesn't hold back from saying you know if you want to follow me uh, it isn't going to be easy and for those of us that struggle in our discipleship uh, there's a sense in which we perhaps oughtn't to be surprised because Jesus didn't hold back from saying, if you follow me, there will be a cost. It will cost you. The disciples, when he called the disciples, we were thinking about that last week, and it said, didn't it, that they left family and they left their nets behind. There is a cost uh, to following Jesus. Sometimes it means leaving things behind. Sometimes it means leaving people behind. Uh, Sometimes people decide... As in this case and in other cases, do you remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do you know the commandments? He says, yes, I've followed them since I was a young lad. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. And that disciple also went away disappointed because he weighed up the cost and decided it was too much. And sometimes people do that. That's the reality. Sometimes sometimes people decide it's too much. I can't follow Jesus anymore. It's too much. Despairing disciples. Following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be a cost. There is another gospel that says follow Jesus and you'll get rich. I'm still looking for those verses in the Bible that say that. I can't find one time when Jesus said it. Oh, we can find obscure verses and take texts that, that may suggest that and may be interpreted that way. But it seems to me that Jesus seemed to say the opposite. He seemed to say, come and follow me and you're going to have a hard time. Come and follow me and it's going to cost you. There's going to be, the rewards that you will get will be great. But they will be in heaven and not on earth. And actually if you look at the first disciples and you follow them through and find out what happened to them the cost was ultimate they paid the same price as Jesus who gave his life and of course that's what discipleship is about it's about giving our life it's about trusting in the Lord with all our hearts not half-hearted you know not a little bit of our hearts God wants it all it's all or nothing and some disciples walk away and say you're asking too much you're asking too much Following Jesus doesn't mean there won't be a cost. Following Jesus doesn't mean we won't get caught in a storm. Doesn't mean we won't get caught in a storm. Again, some people think that, you know, following Jesus, it it should be plain sailing. That we should never experience storms in our life. And again, not only did Jesus not say that, uh, we only... Need to look at what happened to these disciples that followed Jesus into the boat. Uh, You know, Jesus, it says, uh, got into the boat and the disciples followed him. Because that's what disciples do. They follow Jesus. And uh, they get into the boat. And uh, before you know it, without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake that swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples are in this furious storm. The waves are coming over the boat. And Jesus is fast asleep. I wonder whether anybody here has had that same experience. You feel like you're facing a storm in your life. And you cry out to God. And you feel that there's no answer and God is sleeping. I know that sometimes when people pray... pray, I'm sure they think God is sleeping because there's some people that, as they're praying, their the voices get louder and louder, and uh, you think maybe they are trying to wake G- God from from sleep because they think if you shout at God, that maybe He will hear us. And sometimes it feels like that. Let's be honest. Sometimes it feels like we need to shout uh, to be heard. And uh, Jesus was asleep. <clears throat> Do you remember uh, uh, somebody else that slept during a storm? Do you remember Jonah when he was uh, when he was uh, running away from God? Uh, he was sleeping on a boat while everyone else was running around panicking and uh, and praying. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes we we imagine that the storms in life come because we've done something wrong. I.e., Jonah running away from God, and suddenly there's this huge storm. And sometimes we equate, you know, the storms that we face in life. We must have done something wrong. We must have done something to bring this storm upon ourselves. Well, all the disciples done here had done here was follow Jesus onto the boat. They were being good disciples, and suddenly there's this uh, storm all around them, and uh, uh, they despair. Isn't it interesting? Um, I think as, as I get older, my memory is getting worse. Anybody else experience that, you know? You can't bring names to be, you know, you, you know somebody's face but you can't. And it, it's, it's not good, is it? <laughs> uh, but I think that the, the, the disciples uh, suffered from a bit of amnesia as well because, you know, if we just look at Matthew chapter 8, the disciples have, have experienced Jesus healing a man with leprosy. They've uh, experienced Jesus healing the uh, the, uh, the centurion's servants. They've even even Peter's mother-in-law has been healed. Jesus done these marvelous things, and yet uh, they get on the boat, they face a storm, and it's like, help! Oh, what do we do? And you think, gosh, this in the, in the same chapter you've seen Jesus do these amazing things. Jesus is with you in the boat, and you're still despairing. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I imagine, you know, it must have been great to actually imagine seeing Jesus doing these things. If we actually saw Jesus doing things, our faith would be like way up here. And yet what we, what we find out is the disciples were no better than us. When, when, when difficulties and storms come, they press the panic button and they start despairing, even though they've seen Jesus done some wonderful and miraculous things. You know, miracles don't produce faith. Uh, it's very exciting and wonderful when they happen, but they don't really produce any more faith. Uh, or they might do in the, in the immediate thing, but it's very quickly forgotten when you face the next difficulty in our lives. But they do the right thing. They go to Jesus uh, in their storm. Lord, save us. We are going to drown. If you didn't think these people were dysfunctional, uh, Lord Save Us is a great acclamation of faith, isn't it? But we're going to drown, <laughs> we're going to drown, uh, is, is a shout of doubt and fear. And it, and it kind of sums up the disciple. They want to, they want to believe in this Jesus. They want to be faithful. Uh, but they look around at the waves and, and the wind and doubt and fear comes in. It's like Peter, isn't it, when he walked out onto the water. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to do, to do what Jesus is. Jesus calls him out. But then when he sees the water and, 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 and around him and realises what's happening, uh, he doubts and he starts to sink and, and we've all experienced that sinking feeling, isn't it? Dysfunctional disciples, despairing disciples, uh, Lord save us, we're going to drown. Uh, In Mark's gospel, he says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And again, you know, when when things go wrong, uh, when we experience storms in our lives, very often uh, people say... God doesn't care otherwise he wouldn't be allowing me to go through this situation if he really cared he'd step in and he'd intervene he wouldn't allow these circumstances and uh, very often that's how people feel and the disciple says don't you care and again you think gosh these people have been with Jesus they've seen his compassion they've seen the care he's just healed Peter's mother-in-law that's how much he cares about his disciples and yet they say don't you care And that's very often our response, isn't it? We think God no longer loves us if bad things happen. Uh, Again, we equate it, don't we? It must be our fault. We've done something to annoy this God and he no longer cares. Following Jesus doesn't mean we won't get caught in a storm. And if you're going through a storm at the moment, it doesn't mean that you've been disobedient. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. And uh, the thing in this story is that God in Jesus meets the disciples in the storm. He doesn't not allow them to go through the storm, but he's in the storm with them. Some of you know that uh, when I go away, I I like to go out on uh, my little boat. Some of you have seen it. I've brought it here. Some of you have actually been in it. And this is me on a lovely, uh, calm sea in Swanage. And it's great to go out when when it's like that. Uh, but actually, uh, and sometimes life is like that, isn't it? It's lovely. It's like a, a cruise, and everything's going fine. Um, but sometimes I take the boat out when it's uh, when it's not quite so uh, calm, and uh, and there's waves. Now you might be wondering what happened next. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to show you. I hope this works. I think at that stage, Susan's decided she'd better stop videoing and tell me to come back in. <laughs> but sometimes we do experience, don't we, uh, you know, the storms and, uh, and the waves. Uh, sometimes that's what we experience, isn't it? We experience the waves crashing over us. And uh, at that moment in time, we're probably just like the disciples. Uh, we fear, we cry out to God, we feel that God no longer loves us. And... Uh, I don't know what your storm is, you might not be, you might be facing a storm at this particular moment in time, but whatever our storms in life are, we can always do what the disciples did. We can always go to Jesus in the midst of our storm. And very often, uh, that's where we find Jesus. That's where we find God. Not when everything's plain sailing and everything's okay. But we're more likely to turn to God when things go wrong. We're more likely to pray when everything isn't right than we will do when everything's going smoothly. You of little faith, why are you so afraid, Jesus said. You of little faith. Jesus, notice, uh, rebukes the disciples before he rebukes the storm. The disciples are probably thinking, yeah, okay, little faith, just just do something about the situation. Uh, but Jesus is making a point. Um, and I'm glad that Jesus said this. I'm glad that Jesus said to the disciples, you have little faith. Because again, these people that had followed Jesus, and had seen Jesus do amazing and wonderful things, had little faith. Sometimes we think that we need more faith. Sometimes we talk about people, oh this person, they've got such a strong faith in in Jesus, they trust in, in Jesus. Actually we don't need strong and bigger faith. We just need to put the little faith that we have in a strong and a mighty God. Because it's God who will do it. And it isn't dependent on how much faith we can muster at any particular moment in time. Because it seems to me that the disciples in crisis struggle to muster anything other than a little bit of faith. But that little bit of faith was put in Jesus. And they were afraid. Chris Kandai in his book, Disciples, commenting on this, he says, Does this mean that despairing disciples in crisis are not allowed to doubt or to be afraid? Are we supposed to take from this that we should smile all the time, sing only upbeat songs, and claim claim the victory over every situation? Many Christians believe this as though being honest about the storms in which they find themselves would rock the boat and get them labelled a heretic. goes on to say, he doesn't think that that's what Jesus meant uh, that we shouldn 't doubt that we shouldn 't be afraid, because that 's just our natural human response when tragedies strike uh, you know. Uh we mention every Christmas, don't we, that the angels come and say, do not be afraid. And uh, I always pull out that statistic that it's, apparently someone's counted that it says 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid, one for every day of the year. Because we need that, because we, 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 we face fearful situations when our natural response is to be frightened. That's our natural human response, is to be afraid of frightening situations. So Jesus isn't saying, don't be afraid, but he is saying, trust in me. In your fear and in your doubts, remember to trust in me. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Jesus rebukes the wind and he rebukes the wave and he brings calm to the situation. And that's what Jesus can do. And sometimes Jesus can do that even without removing the storm. Sometimes you can find that calmness and that peace, even in the midst of the storm. It's wonderful when Jesus removes the things that are painful and, and difficult in our life, but the reality is that Jesus doesn't always do that. And He didn't always do that for the disciples. Do you remember what happened to Stephen? Beginning of Acts, Stephen is stoned. You might say, well where was Jesus then? Why didn't Jesus step in then? Jesus does not always step in. And if we believe and we think that Jesus is always going to step in and remove the storms from our lives, then again, we've not read the Gospels and and the New Testament correctly. It's not a correct reading because that doesn't, because it happens in one situation, doesn't mean it will happen in every situation. Sometimes people remain in the storms for most of their lives. Sometimes it feels like I'm more in the storms than in the calms and I'm trying to remain in my boat but waves are coming over and keep splashing over and trying to knock me out of the boat and sometimes they even succeed in knocking me out of the boat Uh, but I can still have that peace and trust that I know that God is with me and God is with me doesn't always mean that the storms are removed, in this situation it does the, uh, the when, when, when Jesus speaks, things happen. Have you noticed that in the in the New Testament? When Jesus says something, it happens. It was the same in creation. You know, God spoke and he said, let there be light and there was light. And when Jesus speaks, even the waves and the wind have no choice but to be obedient to the creator, God. Because he has the power over the winds and over the waves. Following Jesus doesn't mean we won't get caught in a storm. But following Jesus does mean trusting in the one who has the power to calm the storm. It does mean putting our trust in the one who has the power to calm the storm. The disciples were amazed. What kind of man is this, they asked. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They were amazed by Jesus. And we can still be amazed by Jesus. We can still be amazed when we read stories like this. Our reaction should be one of amazement. When we hear of some of the wonderful things that God is doing in the church and in people's lives, we should still be amazed. But we also should remember that some people are living in those storms. And some people are struggling and some people are wondering, does God really care about my situation? And our job in those situations is to remind people uh, of God's love for them, of God's care for them in Jesus Christ. And of the fact that God is with them in that situation. Because that's what the disciples experience. Uh, Following Jesus means trusting in the one who has the power to calm the storm. And whatever storm you're facing, Jesus does have the power to bring calm in that situation. He can bring calm and he can bring peace. And sometimes he will even remove obstacles out of our way. But sometimes he won't. And that's where faith kicks in. And that's where we need to be, that people of little faith... In a big God. Who promises to be with us. So the good news is that the disciples despaired when they face difficult situations. And so don't be surprised when you find yourself despairing. It doesn't mean you're not a disciple anymore. You're just a despairing disciple. Last week you were a dissatisfied disciple. This week you are a despairing disciple. Next week you're going to be something else. But that's how life is. Uh, And the important thing is is that we continue to follow Jesus just like the disciples uh, in the plain sailing and when the sailing gets a bit more difficult.